It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Bond the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you again Thursday morning. It's a short week, but we're back on track with our podcast. We're back on track with everything. The Steelers are back on track with their wins. And my goodness, it's December. Can you believe it? It's, I mean, I've got my kids opening their advent calendars this morning. Well, I say this morning. Obviously, I'm recording this um, before it comes out at 5 a.m. They have not opened them yet, but they are so excited to do that. It is the holiday season, and it's it's that month. I guess, you know, we'll see if the Steelers can, quote, unquote, unleash hell in December. As Coach Tomlin said years ago, I don't want to say it because when he did say that, it ended up not happening. So I hope he doesn't say that again. But uh, it's December. It's that time of year. And when the Pittsburgh Steelers are coming off of a win, it feels much better. We haven't had a lot of these to talk about so far this year. This is win number four. The Steelers have the opportunity to stack wins. This is this will be their fourth chance to try to stack a win. They have not done that all season. And honestly, even though now they're favored by a little bit in this game, it's not an easy task. This one, it's not as bad as I normally would say it when you look at it from a number standpoint. But Thursday night football is the worst. That's the super short week. Then when you have to go on the road, not good. This is a somewhat short week because the Steelers played on Monday night. Then they're, they had to turn right back around. Coach Holm didn't even sleep between his two press conferences, between the post-game press conference and the 
press conference on Tuesday. No sleep for Coach Tomlin. Um, that, that might be normal, but I don't know. Um, so it's a short week going on the road again. So it's not an easy task. But can the Steelers step up and do it? Just because it's not easy doesn't mean it's impossible. It's not as bad as a Thursday. So I'm still pulling for them and thinking this is something that can be done. But I also want people to understand it is stacked against them a little bit more than normal. So if the Steelers can pull off a win, that's an even better indication of something, you know, that's the, the that they're doing in the positive because this is not the the perfect scenario for them. But I, I digress. That's a whole different thing. But man, it, it's December. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm I'm sitting here looking at my Christmas tree right now. Um, you know, there's always the constant debate as what goes on the top of the tree. Well, at one point, I had a Steeler Santa hat on top of my tree, but I don't have that on top of my tree because I now have my own separate Steelers tree at a barn as part of a festival of trees. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Jeff Hartman put some stuff out about Twitter. We we were there. Brian Anthony Davis joined us this year with with decorating the tree, and that's just something we're doing. That opens this weekend uh, close to, to where we live, you know, in, in, in some people would call it Western Maryland. It's not. It's... It's not, it's not sure. I grew up in Western Maryland. It's not, but uh, so now instead of having, having a, a Steelers hat on my tree, I still save back some of my best Steelers ornaments for, for my own tree. But uh, instead I got a star on top of the tree. Uh, but uh, to be specific, I have a death star on top of the tree. So uh, for you Star Wars fans out there, I hope you can appreciate that. If you're listed to a show that has the word geek in it, you, you you probably know a little bit about Star Wars, except Jeff Hartman, who doesn't, and he listens to this out of obligation. But I digress. Let's get moving on with some stuff. We've got plenty to talk about here. We're going to talk about how there's not really a, a cookie cutter stat for the for the Steelers, you know, to say this would bring the Steelers success. There there isn't, and I'm going to describe that a little bit more uh, when we get to that. Because it kind of came from a conversation in, in the comments on on an article that wasn't even my article at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. So first thing I want to do is I want to do the Zebra Technologies Next Gen Stat of the Week. I've got multiple ones this time. And it's, remember, they're not always good. But I have, I have, I think I have three Steelers ones as we go through. The first one is Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett completed 18 of 22 passes, traveling fewer than 10 air yards for 126 yards in the Steelers' 24-17 victory over the Colts. That was a plus 7.7% completion percentage over expected. It says Pickett leads the NFL with a plus 6.8 completion percentage over expected on passes under 10 air yards this season. In other words... When he's not throwing the ball very far, which he's doing it more, he's completing them better than they expect. So he's so Kenny Pickett is very accurate, not throwing the ball deep downfield. It, that's what I take out of this. Um, we had a Najee Harris stat, but this just this is crazy. I'm going to read it because they they gave it to me. He says Najee Harris. Struggles continued this season as the Steelers running back had minus 23 uh, rushing yards over expected, which was the fourth lowest on Monday Night Football before exiting the game with injury. Okay, before exiting the game with injury. But what they don't realize is 
Maji Harris was injured early in this game. He was fighting to come back in and 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 run. And this is something that I want Steelers fans to remember. They're like, oh well, look, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, they had much better rushing averages than the Najee Harris in this game. That just goes to show maybe that no, it goes to show that Najee Harris was trying to power through. And they finally had to stop him. I don't know if he was still wanting to come in or what was going on, but he wasn't running as effectively, I believe, because he was injured. Okay, It didn't help things. Well, at least say that. Maybe it didn't hurt him, but it obviously didn't help him. So that's a stat with Najee Harris. And I've got one more, and it's funny. When they send these to me, they're from the entire NFL. I have them. You know, They don't do them by team or anything like that. But uh, I'm I'm trying to find it because – they send them to me with such small font because it's it, it, it's such a, a huge email. So I'm still attempting to, to find the last one because I, I knew there was three. There we go. I missed it because it didn't start with the name like most of them do because they started with the word rookie. Okay, this is wide receivers. Rookie George Pickens made a 35-yard grab in the second quarter on Monday Night Football with a completion probability of 23.9%. Pickens had 0.7 yards of target separation and one yard of sideline separation on the play. He has run a go route on a league-high 43% of his routes this season with a minimum of 200 routes. He also has 3.4. Sorry, plus 3.3 receptions over expected on go routes this season, trailing only Tyreek Hill, who is at plus 3.4. So I got you that one. But you know what? I know. I know there's another one. There's a Deontay Johnson one here, too. I'm trying to find it because there we go. I got Deontay Johnson. This is a lot of numbers that they send me. I try to highlight them beforehand, but whew, it's just a lot of stuff. And Deontay Johnson had an average cushion of 3.1 yards which um, on Monday night, which was the second least. Despite this, he grabbed five of eight targets for 49 yards. So Deontay Johnson had the smallest cushion um, but of, of anyone, of any receiver, um, sorry, the second smallest cushion of any wide receiver in the, in the league this week, and yet he caught five of his eight passes. So, whoo, man, that was a lot. Those were the zebra statistics, okay? I got another statistic that uh, I'm going to talk about. But, and, and before I hit the, the title of the show, the title of the show isn't going to have a ton of numbers with it, but I've got something else that does have a lot of numbers in it because it was an email that I received. This email came to me from Nathan Smith. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the, the interesting part of this. He's like, I have a stat question for you. I'm not asking for stat questions during the season. This was a good one, so I incorporated it in. I mean, if people have them, I'll get to them when I can, but the offseason is when I'm like, please send me questions. Okay. What do the numbers look like for the offense after the defense has a takeaway? Because he says, to me, it looks like there is a lack of preparedness in those situations. Either Canada doesn't have players ready for the for the shift in circumstances. The players aren't mentally ready to go. He says both seem unlikely, but that's how it feels to me. He wants to know if there's anything with the numbers. So I looked up the numbers. I looked up the drive, you know, every Steelers drive this season that started after a takeaway. Now, this is according to Pro Football Reference. I'm assuming that they have everything right with what they're with what they're doing. Um, so here we go. Because I have that the Steelers have 16 takeaways, but um they they only had them with 15 drives. 
So there might be one in there that I don't remember. Could have been right at the I know one of them, a drive ended the game, but not I don't know that the play ended the game. Um, it, it, it might have been something of that nature. So points off of turnovers. This, Jeff Hartman talks about this all the time. He calls it pots. I said, you should call it poot. Points off of turnovers, two O's. It doesn't matter. It, pot's fine um, <laughs> because we don't want to do the other one. Um, points off turnovers. 15 drives. The Steelers have five field goals and three touchdowns, All right? Now, they also have a missed field goal in there, so they got to where to have a field goal and they missed it. Um, that's not counted as one of the five. So what's interesting is with the Steelers scoring three touchdowns off of 15 drives, that's a 20% touchdown drive off of turnovers. That's tied for 23rd in the NFL. So that one, that, that that's not good. I didn't even bother with field goals because in all I wanted to look at, the Steelers have scored points on 8 of 15 drives. That's 53.3%. Um, that's tied for 13th in the NFL. So they're actually better. Now, I'm not just going number of drives because different teams have different amount of turnovers. Or sorry, takeaways. So I, I, I went with percentage. So that's tied for 13th in percentage of actually scoring points off of the takeaways. That's, you know, not terrible when you look at it. The Steelers have scored 36 points off of takeaways this year. Uh, like I said, according to the filtering system at Pro Football Reference. If I'm missing one, I'm sorry. I apologized. I don't know what they would have done. Um, that's, if you want to look at it, that's 2.4 points per takeaway. So if the Steelers take the ball away, usually, you know, they're getting, they're, they're getting two, 2.4 points. So they're getting almost three points a takeaway. That, that's pretty good. So there's sometimes they, they, they don't, get anything, but, you know, they have a few touchdowns. They have a lot of field goals. Now, they are also one of 14 teams that have not turned the ball over after getting the ball on a takeaway. So I, I remember this happened last year when I would highlight some numbers that, oh, the Steelers got it. They got a takeaway, but what they do, they turn around and turn it right back over. Um, so, I mean, that that almost happened – in the Saints game, Najee Harris fumbled it, and luckily the Steelers got it. Um, I just remember that, you know, being there. But the other thing to look at is that the Steelers end up punting the ball on one-third of their drives after takeaways. That's tied for the sixth most percentage in the NFL, meaning you don't want it to be a high number you want it to be a load number, and it's, it, so it's tied for sixth highest. So that means it's prob it's in it's twenty something when you look at it in the in the range of what you want it to be because you want that percentage to be low that you're not punting a lot after a takeaway. So that's one thing they they do have a lot of punts, but they haven't turned it back over and things of that nature. So the answer is it's not great, but when comparing it to the rest of the NFL, it's not bad either. So that's really what it breaks down there when it comes to um, points off of turnovers. Now, whew, getting to what ultimately I wanted to talk about a little bit here uh, before we take our break and look at this uh, matchup between the Steelers and the Falcons coming up on Sunday. And, and that is this. There was kind of a, a bit of a discussion, you know, there's a lot of people, Jeff Hartman talks about this, a lot of people that are really on the Ken, Kenny Pickett hype straight train and a lot of people that are on the anti-Kenny Pickett hype, hype train. 
Some of them think, a lot of people thinking he's doing a great job. A lot of people thinking he's doing awful. The truth is likely somewhere in the middle. Now, this past week, PFF had Kenny Pickett the second highest graded quarterback in the NFL. He had no touchdowns. Remember that. He only had 174 yards passing. But he was 20 of 28 with his completions. He was, let's see, what, what else was it? Um, he didn't throw any interceptions. So he was he graded well play in and play out is bottom line what it was. The only person that graded higher than him was Lamar Jackson, you know, in the losing effort um, to to Jacksonville. So that might tell you, well, maybe there's a problem with their grades. I'm okay if you think there's a problem with their grades. I'm not all – I'm not completely sold on, on their grades as well either. But one of the things that someone brought up is they're like, well, this – you know, uh, it was actually my brother had had, had jumped in, uh, Big Bro Scrow, and it said, you know, if you look back – because they were complaining that it was only 174 yards. And he's like, but if you look back at Ben Roethlisberger rookie season, he rarely threw for over 200 yards in his in his in his rookie season. I mean, he didn't have three, 30 passing attempts on, until the playoffs of his rookie year. I mean, and then when it comes to, to Kenny Pickett in a game where he plays the whole game, this was the first time he had less than 30 passing attempts. He had exactly 30 against New Orleans. He had less than 30 in this game. He's, I mean, 42, 44, 38, 52 against Buffalo. Now he had 13 against the Jets in a half. He had 18 against Tampa in like just a couple plays more than a half. So that's that's another thing to look at. But the response was, well, that was almost 20 years ago. This is a different NFL. And I'm like, yeah, it is a different NFL, but there's not a cookie-cutter way you have to do things in today's NFL to say that things that happened 18 years ago wouldn't work. Honestly. I mean, I use the Baltimore Ravens as an example. When when they're – I think – I can't remember what the exact numbers were. I should have brought this back up, but I had it in a comment in an article that had – hundreds of comments. So it was it was when the Ravens throw for more than when Lamar Jackson's thrown for more than 220 yards in a game, the Ravens are one and two. When he's thrown the ball for more than 240 yards in a game, they're 0 oh and 2. So the more yards he throws for, the less success the team is having um, when it comes to wins and losses. The team is much better when he's not throwing for as many yards. Why? Because it means they're they're running the ball effectively. But not only are they running the ball effectively, if you're a team that's hoping to run the ball effectively, what else are you probably hoping that you're doing in that game? You are hoping that you're the one in the lead, you're the one in control, you're dictating what's going on, and therefore you're not having to throw the ball all the time. That's been their recipe for seasons now. And you can't say that, well, you know, it's not like they've won a Super Bowl in the last few seasons, but they've had some strong seasons. I mean, even last year when they didn't make the postseason, that's because that loss to the Steelers set off a, a, a trend where they didn't win another game the rest of the year. Lamar Jackson was hurt. They just had issues. But you can't say that that style can't be successful. Just because you're a team that can go out there and throw for 400 yards every game doesn't mean that you have to, and that's the only way you can win. Now, when the situations arise that you're at the end of the game and, you, and you've and you got just under two minutes left and you're down by five points, guess what you're going to be doing? You can't just sit back and run the ball the whole game. 
you've still got to be effective throwing the ball in those circumstances. And that's what I think is really good with the Steelers. They proved this kind of in the preseason. Yes, it was preseason, so it doesn't really matter. But they were the most effective running the two-minute offense in the preseason. So they can – they. it's not – you want to be able to, to, to do things if you have to. But what's better is when you don't. So therefore, my point is, is don't complain in a win that Kenny Pickett only had 174 passing yards. It shows that he's not elite. No, it shows that the Steelers were in control for a large portion of this game. They were leading for a very large portion of this game. They lost the lead at the very end of the third quarter by a point, and they answered on the next drive. The Colts did not have a possession in this game where they had the lead. Okay. Remember, the Colts did not have a possession in this game where they had the lead because they they scored to take the lead. The Steelers answered with a touchdown and a two-point conversion. So that's a big thing. The Steelers possessed the ball plenty when they had a lead. I continue to say, I, I mean, my, my brother and I debated this on the Scobro show, but I continue to say I wasn't satisfied with 16 points in that first half based on the way the half worked. Based on the dominance, the time of possession, the number of of possessions the Steelers had, the way the defense had, had played, especially in the first quarter, that I felt, you know, they squandered an opportunity. They did a good job to get 16 points, but they had the opportunity to do more. I'd have been satisfied with an even split of touchdowns to field goals on, on your scoring drives. I, I'm all right with that. I don't like when you're settling for more field goals than touchdowns. And it was a three-to-one ratio. But the only difference there is adding one more touchdown in the first half. And then you're talking 20-to-3. And then the big run back to start the second half, is still, it still doesn't even put the team within a one-score game if they, if they still get the touchdown there. And it kind of changes everything. So they still need to take advantage of some opportunities. But – when, there is real no cookie-cutter stats. Because you look at it like, well, look, when the Steelers rush the ball well, they're having success. Okay, well, the, 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 the two games that the Steelers have rushed the most for the most yardage this year were, uh, was against the New Orleans Saints, the 217, and the 172 against the Colts. Both wins. Yes, you can say that. What about the third most rushing yards? That was in week eight against Philadelphia. That was in week eight against Philadelphia. So there's not a cookie-cutter thing to say, hey, you, you know, do they need 172 yards in order to win the game? They don't because they had two other wins where they didn't. They only had 77 rushing yards against Tampa. So it's not like that's a magic number. They only had 75 rushing yards in, uh, in week one with an extra 10 minutes to play against Cincinnati. So that wasn't all about rushing the ball. Now, I know this team has evolved since, especially since week one, but I think they've even evolved since week six. Um, so, so that's not a, a cookie cutter thing. They, they, the Steelers went over 100 yards against the Bengals and lost. They had 119 rushing yards against the Jets and lost. They had over 100 yards against the Browns and lost. So it's not that it's like, well, if you run so much, well, then you look at passing. Well, what about passing? Um, how, how the Steelers do it. Now, remember, some of these are games that it's combined passing from two different players. But if you look at the passing yards, you know, they won against the Bengals. They didn't have 200 yards passing. Hey, yay, that was good. They didn't have 200 yards passing against the Patriots either, and they had more rushing yards, and they lost that one. Okay? They had, they had just over 200 yards passing against the Browns. Lost that one. Had 178 yards. Almost identical. Well, 
Kenny Pickett threw for 174. They technically had 151 yards passing against the Colts when you take away the yardage from the sacks. Okay, 178 yards through the air against the Jets. Nope. 310 yards. So you definitely say when you have a bunch of passing yards, that's usually not a good thing. That's when they got trounced by the Buffalo Bills, 300 yards. 246 yards passing against the Dolphins. 249 yards passing against the Bengals. You can say when the Steelers are forced to have to have a bunch of passing yards, it's usually in a game where they're – it's not that they can't win those games. It's that they're in a situation where they're playing from behind, and that's not ideal for them to win. So there's not really a cookie-cutter stat of run to pass that's even going to work in this scenario because – it's different every game. It really is. So to think, oh, if the Steelers aren't getting this number, and I'm the stats guy who who, who gives numbers his goals. Oh, if you hit this number, that's going to be really good. Even look at the at the playing clean football or winning the turnover margin, okay? The Steelers, they won it by five in week one, and they won in overtime, okay? When they beat the Buccaneers, they played a clean game. You're like, oh, well, when they play a clean game with no turnovers, they win except they didn't win against Cincinnati in Pittsburgh in week 11. They didn't have any turnovers that game. Otherwise, if they don't turn it over, they've won the game. So those those are some things that are interesting. The Steelers have been plus two in the turnover um, margin ever since the bye week. You know, they've had two takeaways, no turnovers every week. That's That's what they're doing. And they're two and one, which is good. But you can't just say that there's a total – you know, um, a, a total number that goes in there. I mean, you could look, maybe look at defensive yards, and that really helps. Because, uh, but I mean, one of the games where the, the the Steelers gave up the most yards, obviously it was Buffalo, but the next most was their Week One win over Cincinnati. But then there was the five turnovers. There's so many different things that balance it all together. There's not just one number that really fits in. So if you're looking at it and saying, oh, Kenny Pickett doesn't, isn't throwing for enough yards. He hasn't thrown enough touchdowns. You know what? But he's rushed for a lot of them too. So does it really matter if he has if he throws it for a touchdown or if they rush it for a touchdown? What's the most important is that the Steelers are, you know, score touchdowns and win football games. You can win a football game three to two. Okay, you can win a football game three to nothing. The Steelers have done that before. Okay, you could also lose a football game 37 to 36. Okay, ultimately, it comes down to I don't care how much points they give up or how much points they store score. It's about winning. So and that's the thing with Kenny Pickett as he, you know, improves and everything as the season goes on, which I think he is improving. Um, I'm not saying, oh, well, he's he's definitely the answer. No, but if he continues down this path, that's a really good thing for the Steelers. How much will this improvement continue to, to happen as they go? Now, is he due to maybe have a setback game in there somewhere? Yeah, that's going to happen still. So, but I, I still like what I'm seeing. I, we've gone way over in the first half, but you know what? Second half doesn't take us nearly as long to go through these. So we're going to take our break now about two-thirds to three-quarters of the way through uh, with a word from our sponsors, and then we'll come back, break down this matchup going on against the Falcons and the Steelers on Sunday. Stick around with me. When 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. And we are back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, with the second uh, 33% of Steelers stat geek. I don't know. I didn't dive a bunch into numbers specifically from the from the Colts game. I know because uh, I had these other things. I had the question to answer. I wanted to, to talk a little bit about um, trend for the season. There were some really good numbers in that game. Uh, there were some that weren't so bad. I mean, the Steelers holding them to zero yards in the first quarter, great. The Steelers getting zero first downs in the third quarter yet again, <laughs> no. Um, the Steelers, um, but, um, there, there was a, a number of good ones. Another bad one was that 89-yard kick return, okay? Um, the Steelers putting up um, three scores in the first – or sorry, four scores in the first half, great, even if they weren't – even if three of them were field goals. So uh, Matthew Wright. He was he was perfect on his extra point. I'd say because they only kicked one of them on the two touchdowns because he went for two, and on the field goals, the one that he glanced through. Some people were complaining about his kickoffs. Oh, there were good returns. He, the guy returned it from eight yards deep. I mean, what more do you want Matthew Wright to do? I mean, you could say pull, put it out of the back of the end zone. I don't see runners running it out from eight yards deep all the time. So that's what happened. So just wanted to mention a few things. Also, if you want to hear my thoughts about the numbers about the numbers of people saying how the how the, the Colts handed the Steelers the game at the end with clock mismanagement. I wholeheartedly disagree. Um, you can't mismanage the clock when you didn't run out of time. Um, I talked about this Tuesday night, so I'm not going to go too much into it here. But there's two things that you can do to mismanage the clock. You can either, one, run out of time, or two, leave too much time for your opponents. Those are the two things you can do to mismanage the clock. The Colts did neither of those. They did not run out of time. They they ran out of downs. The Steelers stopped them. I mean, if they'd have had the ball, even if they barely would have got that first down, they'd have had the ball at the 23-yard line with 24 seconds left and two timeouts. That's not a bad situation. If you were to tell me the Steelers were down by seven points and there was 20, 24 seconds left and they were inside the 25-yard line with two timeouts, I say, give it to me. I'll take it. I take it. I'd love that they'd be in that situation with that much time. Um, the Colts could have had an extra 10 seconds or more if they would have 
gone with a little bit more urgency on after the scramble and after the sack. I think they should have been ready to go a little bit more, but that's, you know, that's what happens when you have a new coaching regime coming in partway through the season. But it, it wasn't to a point that it, that it was foolish to not take timeouts unless they just weren't ready. And they could say, well, that's what happened. If they had talk, called a timeout before that, before the third down play, they would have had a better play. No, I think they ran a good play. I think Alex Highsmith made a better play. But that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm looking at it with my Steelers goggles. But if you want to hear more about that with those numbers, you can check out the Scobro Show from Tuesday. All right. We're going to get through these really, really quick here because I respect your time. Do I really respect you? Yeah, I do. All right. But this is a matchup between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Atlanta Falcons, where the Steelers are now. I saw that they were even favored by as much as one and a half points. Then I think I thought saw it go back to one point. It's somewhere right around there. But last week, the Steelers were going up against um, a really struggling offense in the Colts, but a very good defense. I mean, the Colts, looking at it going into last week, they were the fifth-ranked defense in the NFL with yardage, 11th in points, 10th against the run, 7th against the pass. So look, this is a team that was top 10 against the run, and the Steelers ran the ball the way they did. So so remember that, because see how it works out this week. So let's hit this up. Let's look at offense first. The Falcons, overall yardage. They averaged 314.8 yards per game. That's 27th in the NFL, with the Steelers averaging 313.2 which is 28th in the NFL. They are right there with each other when it comes to offensive rank. Um, Steelers are just behind the Falcons. Uh, whoever, chances are whoever wins this game is probably going to be the one in front ahead of the other going in when it comes to next week. Um, the one place where they are different is, my goodness, the Falcons actually put up the points. 22.7 points per game, that's 15th in the NFL, where the Steelers are 17.6 points per game, that's 28th in the NFL. So if there's one strength to this Falcons team is that they 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 might not get a lot of yardage, but they do get points out of it. But here's an even bigger strength when it comes to the offense. Falcons average 160 yards rushing a game, 160.0. That is fourth in the NFL. They are a top five rushing team which is interesting because the Steelers are just outside of the top five rushing defense, but we'll get there. But when the Steelers are coming to, to, to rush the ball, you're talking about 113.6 yards, which is 21st in the NFL. Then you get to uh, passing defense, the Falcons. They give up 100 – oh, no, sorry, not defense, sorry, offense. They throw for 154.8 yards per game. That is 31st in the NFL. Yeah, that's right. They rush for more yards than they throw on average in a game, 160, 154.8. So they are next to last in passing attack, where the Steelers, they're at 199.5 per game. They're 25th in the NFL when it comes to the passing attack. I also like to look at how many times the teams turn the ball over. The Falcons have turned it over 16 times, the Steelers 14 times. So, you know, they're pretty close there. But the Steelers have been held. They've held on that 14 for a number of weeks now. That's, you know, I don't expect that to hold up forever because things happen. But they've done a real nice job there. And then when it comes to how often they've been sacked, the Falcons have been sacked 27 times, the Steelers 32 times. Um, so they're they're not that far off there. But the Falcons, I, they're just not. I don't think they're throwing the ball nearly as much. Now, if you look at these offensive ranks for the Steelers, they actually um, to go from last week to this week, they went um, 
they, they kind of held serve or are kind of flip-flopped a little bit. The, the, the Steelers in points, they were 28th and still 28th. So they didn't change there. When it came to yardage, they went from 27th to 28th. So they lost a spot there because they dropped two spots in the passing ranks when they went from 23rd to 25th. But the Steelers went up in the, in one spot in the rushing up to 21st in the NFL. So they're, the Steelers have been rushing the ball very well their last three games. So that's that's been trending. I mean, from the bye week, they were 27th. Now they're up to 21st. Uh, that's a good thing. Now let's look at these defenses, okay? The Falcons. They give up 383.1 yards per game. That is 28th in the NFL, all right? 28th in the NFL. The Steelers give up 367.7 yards per game. That's 25th in the NFL. So the Steelers are actually a better ranked defense than the Falcons. And the Steelers ranking-wise aren't aren't looking great. Okay. Um, Then when you go to points, the Falcons give up 24.4 points a game. That's 25th. The Steelers give up 23.7 points a game. That's 24th. So once again, the Steelers are just ahead. Then when you look at run defense, the Falcons surrender 127.5 yards on the ground per game. That's 21st. And the Steelers give up 104.0. That is sixth in the NFL. So there's a big discrepancy there when it comes to when it comes to run defense. Now, when you look at pass defense, the, the Falcons give up 255.6 yards per game. That's 28th. Where the Steelers give up 263.7 yards per game. That is 30th. So they're pretty close there with the Falcons just ahead. So that's really where, where things come, come down to uh, when you look at it. Turnovers, uh, the Falcons have forced 15. The Steelers have forced 16. Um, Sacks, the, the Falcons only have 17 on the season. The Steelers have 22. Um, so uh, the, the odds of the Steelers getting to 50 sacks this year is very low at this point, but you never know. They could go on a tear. But you also want to look at so – one of the other things I wanted to look at with the Falcons is is you're like, okay, well, they, they have some of these, some of these numbers, but who were their opponents, okay? So far this year – Let's, I'm just going to real quick, because you might not pay attention to the Atlanta Falcons very much. This has been their season so far. Okay, they lost by one point to, to New Orleans in week one. They lost by four points to the Rams in week two. But that's back when the Rams were healthy. The Rams are a shell of themselves now. They beat the Seattle Seahawks in week three by four points. Okay, they beat the Cleveland Browns by three points in week four. They lost to the Buccaneers by six. They beat the 49ers by two touchdowns in week six. The Falcons did. They lost to the Bengals by a lot. What would they I think they lost by was it 18 points? Um they you know they got doubled up. They beat the Panthers in overtime um in week eight by three points because of two different things. One, the the you know the Panthers scored the game-winning touchdown. All they had to do is kick the extra point, and the guy ripped his helmet off and got a 15-yard penalty, and they missed the extra point. And they also and the the Falcon, oh, sorry, and the Panthers also missed a field goal in overtime. So that so the Chargers have one of those games, kind of almost like the Steelers did. They lost to the Chargers by three. They lost to the Panthers again by ten. That was a Thursday night game. Um, then they beat the Chicago Bears, helping the Steelers with their 
with with getting that better uh, second round pick. They beat them by three, and then they lost by six to the Washington Commanders. So when you but when you look at who they faced, they've done well against the better teams that they faced, like San Francisco. Um, they 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 beat. Um, I don't like. I don't know if you call Seattle a really good team. I mean, the Browns. Eh, I, I don't know. But you know. Th- but then they also you know lost to the likes of a Cincinnati Bengals and things like that. So I just wanted to give you an idea of those are the kind of games they've been in. If you look at it, the only blowout game that the Falcons have had this year, they're five and seven. The only blowout game, the biggest one was their loss to the Bengals, where they lost by eighteen. Um, and there was, and uh, but the, and then they had the fourteen point win against the Forty ers Those those are the two, the, the the two main ones. So that's the kind of opponent that the Steelers are going to be taking on in in Atlanta on a short week. Um, I I, I kind of I like this one. I'm looking forward to it. I want to see what the Steelers can do. Can they stack wins? Can they continue to improve? This is an unfamiliar opponent. They only play them every four years. So you got a short week. On the road, unfamiliar opponent. Let's see what the Steelers can do. Um, they're not going up against nearly as strong a defense as what they went up against on Monday night. So that's one thing to remember. But they are going up against a much better rushing team. Um, now, I wouldn't say that. I mean, not a much better rushing team. But, I mean, Indy in rushing was 27th, but that's because Jonathan Taylor had missed a number of games. With Jonathan Taylor in, it's a whole different story. But when you look at season-long numbers, Atlanta is a much better rushing team than the Colts. So we'll have to see how that all plays out. Make sure you're checking out our podcast. I hope you enjoyed the the Know Your Enemy last night. Um, with, with that one, that was, you know, just check it out. Um, also, uh, be ready for what Ian's talking about coming up here later today. I think we've, we've got everything squeezed in now that we don't have any extra shows popping in because of how we had to compress everything down. We're back to on schedule. And of course we'll have the preview tonight. It's December. Here we go. December football. Let's start it on the right foot with the Steelers this week, getting a win in Atlanta. I'm really excited about it. And as I always say, thanks for joining me. But what I really have to say on this show every time is thanks for keeping out. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs> 